Hello, I'm Stephen Fry, a trustee of the Royal Academy of Arts and very proud to be so. Welcome to our podcast. Good evening everyone, I'm Eleanor Pinfield, I'm Head of Art on the Underground and I'm really delighted to be welcoming you here tonight. Um, Art on the Underground are today celebrating the completion of the most, well, one of our longest projects, one of our most exciting projects with artist Daniel Buren. Uh, this fantastic work, Diamonds and Circles, works in situ at Tottenham Court Road Station. Um, this commission really exemplifies the ambition of art on the underground, that art should really be part of everyday life for everyone in the city. And I think it really shows how art can weave itself into the fabric of London. Um, this work really flows expansively through the new station, and I'd really encourage anyone who hasn't spent a bit of time there to go and hunt it out. It's really worth spending some time really enjoying seeing people walking past. Daniel's unrivaled understanding of space and how we react to it made him a really perfect choice for a commission of this sort. And it's Daniel's first permanent work in London when he has, of course, many projects internationally. And I'm really delighted to hand over to Tim this evening to talk with Daniel through some of his past works, both in transport systems, in public spaces, and to really give a little bit of context to the work that we've done with him at Tottenham Court Road. Thank you very much, Tim. We're going to have a conversation, but what we're going to do first is Daniel has a presentation. Take a deep breath. Count down to 10, and in 20 minutes, we're going to do 50 years selectedly, and then I'll pick up conversationally, and hopefully there'll be time for you to ask some questions at the end. But we're going to be fairly tight this evening. So without further ado, Daniel, over to you. Thank you. So I will go fast to just uh, show you some uh, selection of work done in the public, uh, public urban space and more precisely, uh, public transportation. So here we have some uh, <coughs> picture of something I did in the early, in uh, 1970 in Paris, as I said, without any authorization, in uh, the subway, where in fact, uh, now in a way, these were absolutely the same since the building of the subway in Paris. Today it's very, very rare to see such a station because they have been totally rebuilt. So at that time, one of the panels in many stations, almost three quarters of all the stations, were done to advise and to give publicity of films, theaters, and the musical uh, play, for example. And these were having panels, as you can see on the left of the pictures. And when it was no renting space for a kind of a presentation, a show or whatsoever, it was usually just covered with a blue or gray paper. And I knew that and I saw it uh, under my eyes in Paris and then I connect I wanted since at least two years to do something uh, in the subway, and I never found really the way. I saw this particularity, and I work even with people to see if what was the necessity for an authorization or something. But really nothing was possible. And then some of the people, but not any important guys in the subway, I work and uh, speak with, for trying to do something, called me and said, uh, if you are interested, we have a space which is uh, going to be free. So if you have the time, instead of the paper we use, if you can give us the same, your paper, we will glue it. So like that, I was having the full uh, space and the possibility to play with its, this work in the 120 or 110 uh, station, which were having this uh, configuration. So that was uh, <clears throat> done for two weeks. No uh, invitation, nothing to, to prepare or to give any information to anyone. And it's something I really liked to do at that time. Anyone can see it. No one can see who did it. 
and uh, whosoever was interested could just uh, think for himself or herself. So I did that, and then the same situation came again three years later. So I jumped on it, and then we did the same thing with the same technique, more or less, except I changed the color, and the free space was not anymore on the right up side, but on the left bottom side. So what was also interesting is uh, uh, we did a book uh, about these two uh, works, two uh, uh, different books, which were done, uh, strangely enough, in London uh, by uh, Peter Townsend at that time, who was the director of the Studio International, and he was interested with the work, and he published what I was uh, doing during that uh, thing, which was to have a friend taking the picture of every single panel. So <clears throat> the full two different works in these uh, three years difference were done in uh, two books. And of course, you cannot see it like that. But the only interesting thing is to see what did change in three years. It was the same configuration, the same use of the panel, but the way the people are dressed, and maybe more striking, the way the publicity, the publicity works, with uh, things they were saying in 1970, which was never said anymore in the in 73, and especially striking from the banks, the publicity really switched to a different area. Anyhow, that's only now visible if you look to the book photo by photo. So this is another work very different, playing with the uh, total uh, traffic done by the trains in Chicago. The Art Institute in Chicago, where I was invited for an exhibition, a group exhibition, when I was uh, working for this group exhibition, I get an ID which was uh, not possible to be realized. And this ID came from something which struck me. I looked to the Art Institute, and uh, like everyone, and I saw nothing special. Then I work around, and I see that the Art Institute is built on the railroad. So funny enough, the railroad is very important. And one of the gallery, at that time the biggest gallery of the museum itself, in fact, was a bridge on top of the railroad. And then I looked to the back of the facade of the museum, and I saw a huge vitrine having more or less the size of the full building. And then I get back inside of the museum to see where this vitrine was and it was absolutely nothing to be seen. Since I look with even people from the museum, and I realize that this vitrine was completely covered with a huge wall, which was used as a place to hang up and show paintings. So from this idea, start uh, the project itself. <clears throat> Here you see this huge uh, vitrine, which for the first time, when we finally find the way to do the work in 1980, was totally uh, demolished. So the brick wall was uh, destroyed, and then we were back to this incredible vitrine, showing and looking to the full uh, tracks of the trains, and very far from there, like around here, it's a a school of art of Chicago. Most of these things today is completely different because they, re, they built a new museum, they make a big addition, etc. So the idea was uh, to use the museum as a point of uh, information to, of course, open this vitrine, this huge uh, window, and uh, to uh, work and touch, so now you see a little bit the tracks. What is here? It was the main gallery of the museum itself. No one know it inside, but it's a bridge. 
And there you were having a merchandise train and all the commuter trains going from uh, all the area from Chicago center to the um, suburb. So the idea then was, as we can see it right now, to cover all the doors of all the wagons for all the trains uh, crossing this area with a different color. And uh, that was uh, visible for almost uh, two years and a half in uh, Chicago in front of this vitrine. So here we were having a reference for the public with a little uh, board, like a little name of the artist next to the painting. So there it was a little bigger. And then the thing was saying, watch the doors, please. And we were having the timetable when the train was passing by in front of the people. So the people were able to see something or not for something like five or six seconds. And they were able to wait for the next train or to leave forever. <laughs> so that's exactly the situation. <clears throat> And all the day, of course, of the opening of the, the hours of open, opening of the museum, it was possible to see the work. And of course, which is part of so, the piece, to have this work visible for almost like 70 kilometers all around uh, Chicago. And for me, it was uh, part of this work developing the possibility of how the frame and how the situation, how the context give a kind of a reference, a feeling, a way to think about what we are looking. Especially with, at that time, uh, a big and long discussion about the use and the, the meaning of a museum and what are the pieces inside the museum. So here, of course, you have almost two extremes. If you see it from the museum, which is shown almost like a work of art, like we have a frame, it's a transparent, we can say this is a canvas. From through the this canvas, you see something in movement, in motion. And if we start to think we are in a museum, so we have a little idea of uh, what can be a painting and how we feel in front of a painting, automatically we get to an, a very interesting idea about time. And so as much as we have no time specifically said to look to a work, which can be two seconds or 200 years, 200 years might be a little too long, but let's say the many time during a life. Uh, in this uh, relation, it was five seconds to see the thing. And that was, uh, immediately making a relation to how much or how long do we need to see something. And then, of course, when you get, like, for example, here, a little bit outside of the, of the museum and on the, the gate or on the <clears throat> stations, it's totally different. I mean, unless the people are already informed, to see the doors was only like a new decor for the train a very kind of a quick way to see where is the door before you are going to catch the trains. And uh, so the way to think about the exactly same uh, element, same object whatsoever, it's totally different. I go fast, just to give you... Like exactly. <laughs> so about transportation, this is one work which I did in uh, buses for a, a full summer in Reims, in, in France, <clears throat> where I did a work which plays not only with the movement of the buses, but also with a, a special movement of what I show on the buses. So I have very few pictures of that. So here you have, for example, the view of one of these buses. And the first, uh, I don't remember exactly if it was five days, a week, or uh, a little longer. The bus, where usually you have the publicity, was clean from the publicity. And then 
a panel on the back was showing to, to you this kind of uh, colored squares with no other any indication. So the size, the, the back side, as you can see it, it's just this little uh, more or less dots with a square green point. Then a week later, and also the size of the bus were covered. So no more publicity at all for like two months in all the buses. And then it was a different setting of this little square. And as you already guess it, uh, these squares were exactly taken on the place where if you continue to put squares everywhere, you will get finally uh, regular stripes all the way. So after the, the cycle, week by week, the people saw something with the buses, always different, still with no indi indication, and uh, just being complete the last week like, like that. So this is an way, another way which instead of touching of these uh, tram or buses or whatsoever, it's a <clears throat> changing of the station where I redid the floor. So the full station of Wolfsburg, which, by the way, is the city of Volkswagen, uh, I redone the floors. And these, in opposition to the other pieces, it's something which is, which is still visible. The other have disappeared, of course. So from the very entrance and any entrance of the uh, station to the gate, uh, the floor are worked with a big kind of lozenge, which are continuing following the same shape exactly and being bro broken when it's necessary by the architecture, the stairs, the walls, whatsoever will be in connection. Back to the <coughs> transportation, here in Mulhouse, in France, I have uh, been asked after a competition, which is always the same thing, but for the very first time, these people get the idea to do something with the station of the tram. Tramway being a very new thing, I mean, new thing since at least uh, 20, 25 years in France, where uh, they build tramway in almost every city above 30 or 40,000 people all around the country. So, and they, most of the time, maybe eight times every 10, 10 uh, location, they ask uh, some artists to do the station. And I was uh, speaking about that or writing since the thing was developing about the fact that to work like that with station in the open air, I was thinking it was very delicate and maybe negative finally to give that to as many artists as stations. For one thing, to just make it very briefly, I am myself thinking that it's very, very difficult to have in the public uh, <coughs> area, especially, uh, works which might be, if you take 20 works or 25 works, to have 25, let's say, good, decent works. I mean, it's the same thing in museum, where all the works which are installed are not very uh, big uh, masterpiece. But the museum make all that quite uh, homogeneous. I'm not sure I agree, actually. <laughs> But in the street, for sure, when the things are not so good, uh, even people, the big public, which doesn't know so much about art, can really perceive the fact the thing is not so good. Anyhow, I think it was always confusing. And most of the time, if the majority of the works are not so good, the minority of works which are good became to be part of the full thing, and everything fell down into something uh, more mediocre. Anyhow, that was a way to think. And one day, when this uh, competition came, the idea was uh, to push me to accept, uh, I said competition because after we were two or three people and after that they make one selection. 
And they said, okay, you think it's better to have one artist to do something, so we will give you the full line. And of course, I was not expecting that. And I get in front of something I was uh, saying before, and that's why this uh, tram is very, very special in France, because it's a full uh, line which has been transformed. So I worked on the stations, I was having even a kind of uh, conflict with the architect who did the station because their concept was to do something extremely uh, neutral. And I was uh, saying that if I do something I want, then the station can be visible in the city from one station to another, will be visible by the people who drive cars and, and visible by people who want to use the tram and have an idea where are the stations. And so uh, I win this little conflict. And so the station where uh, having a signalization we can see now with a huge uh, <clears throat> arch and the color of these arches were different from one way to another and from one station to the next. So very briefly, and of course, when you were in a distance pretty flat in the city, you were able to see from a distance where was the station. So this is still existing in uh, the city of Mulhouse. And I will end with uh, something also done with the tramway, which was done in the city of Tours in France. And where there the thing was developed in a very, very larger uh, space and situation, in fact, with a group of people, including, uh, uh, of course, designers, architects, engineers, uh, specialized people on uh, geography, topology, uh, a musician, uh, a, a specialist on uh, public lighting, so it was a big team, and we worked, uh, each one with more or less his capacity, not only to make the line, but to make everything around the line in the full city. So I don't want, especially myself, to uh, say too much about that, but you can imagine of the transformation of the city, physically speaking and visually speaking. So I did... Uh, the uh, so let's that's one of the parts of the station and we see on the left and right a kind of a big totem or signal which we are going to see better later how it's working uh, give also a signal of the uh, position of the station when you are not right inside of the station then uh, I did the, the look of the tram. The inside was done by some, a group of designers. So the outside was, as you see, the use of the stripes all around the wagon and connected with the, uh, the floor of the station. So in other words, when the train arrives in the station, it stops exactly where is more or less the design on the floor. And when the balls connect, you have a unique object. As soon as the train leaves, the two things disappear, uh, like to be a compact object, and you get even more uh, aware of the mobility of something compared to the stability of the other. But they connect, of course, every time in the station. So uh, that is to speak about the train itself. Here you can really see the doors closed. This is going to the roof, and then it's connecting with, uh, with the floor. Usually, and more or less all the time, on the floor, it's going back to another element where it's still completely stable and uh, climb up uh, to like uh, seven meters high. So in addition to the train itself and the station, 
I did several works which are a kind of a punctuation in um, some important area of the city. So from one terminus to the, to the last one. So the full line then inside the city, some places or some uh, elements are built and make a punctuation of how we go inside the city. I just have to say, for example, inside the train, it was something with uh, using sound done by another uh, person and uh, giving a kind of uh, poetic uh, connection with the station, etc., etc. So here, for example, you see uh, in just uh, on, uh, in front and before a bridge on La Loire, two kind of uh, uh, objects which I called uh, how to catch the sun, which uh, is inclined to the situation of south and take the sun which is projected on the floor. Here, for example, it's a big, uh, big uh, turn where it's a huge place in one side of the city which is coming down to the, to the river. And so the full place is uh, what you can see with this kind of uh, uh, circular pillars in which the train goes uh, inside. So the place is, of course, prohibited to the cars except to turn around. And of course, as any work, any public work, uh, all these has also to play with a lot of things which uh, are very difficult. I am very, uh, I am very interested when it's possible, and because it's always difficult, but to work with, which are all the obligation of, uh, in the street, for example, the signalization, the, the many, many things, which if you don't work with that, or if you cannot work with that, uh, whatsoever the reason, uh, you are sure uh, it's better not to do the work. This is another station which is in the uh, connected with the railroad station, so that's the entrance. And outside this uh, construction here, it's a kind of uh, screen you cannot go through, of course. Only the light goes through, and after this screen, you have the the trains themselves. So the tramway turn around that, and this is changing all the day with the light, the sun, etc. At night, we have a lighting for that. And here we go to, for example, one parking, where these pillars give uh, the sense of uh, the placement of the cars because they also built for this new tramway in order to do not have all the cars in the city, huge parking for the cars uh, at the extremity of the city. In that way, the people can park, take the tram, and go to the center of the city, wherever they want. Here are this uh, piece I spoke just, just about, catching the sun. Here it's another parking, uh, where in fact you see one of the pieces which is a wind uh, signal. This triangle in fact turn with the wind in the middle of the uh, parking lot. And then crossing the full city, we get to the most kind of uh, industrial uh, space to the most historical uh, heart of Tours, which is very different and then when you get to such a place, you have to play with the, for example, we have in France, I guess in England, something is similar, the uh, uh, <clears throat> national uh, architect, which are there, who are there to uh, fight and to control the use of the landscape and especially the city, monument, etc. And so to do anything, as soon as you get inside the boundary, of the historical center, you have to really work with a different type of people to try to convince them or to change the work or whatsoever. That's another part you are crossing in one of the big places, which is a kind of a 
pergola uh, taking the color of the <coughs> of the place like uh, you know these panels here and there between a claustra which is just uh, making that shapes on the floor another of these and then a view of one of the station with the totem I spoke about and the train getting through. Okay, very quickly, that's all I have to show. <laughs> <laughs> there is much food for thought and so much of what you've shown us, we can see traces, lineage into what you've done at Tottenham Court Road. But like all your projects, there are differences and that working in specific contexts and in specific situations has always been your practice. It, 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 it's what excites you. You said um, on reflecting that for 50 years you haven't had a studio, that when you as an artist worked in a studio or when artists work in studios, they produce something for anywhere. And when you produce work, you produce it for somewhere, which I think is a very nice way of putting it. The relationship with architecture is a big subject and you speak very diplomatically about it. Um, is it a battle sometimes? Uh, yes, it can. And how was it at Tottenham Court Road, as we have one of the architects here? Please be <laughs> candid. I must say that uh, it's not unique, but when it's working, and especially there, we work from the very early beginning. The station was, of course, already completely uh, planned, etc. But uh, we work... I work with the architect uh, before most of the things were uh, constructed. So that's the very uh, first point where it's, I think, always interesting to get at the very beginning instead of being the last one to interfere, which is often the way the, the artists are used. But So that's the first thing. And then here it was... Uh, very, very well working, and when it's very well working, it's a fantastic time to exchange, to learn, etc., etc. But you know, uh, I have a witness here for the Tottenham Court Road. I was having also other projects which were not possible to be done. And I, <laughs> I think one was refused by an architect. Aha. Uh -huh. um, I mean, having seen what you did in tour, we might understand that a mere subway station isn't always enough, um, and that the notion of a whole city as potentially a canvas is interesting, but so is a confined area. I mean, you, you started with you know, relatively, well, tiny posters, um, or a, a kind of bandit-like assault in, on the uh, Paris metro. Um, the, the stripe, I know you've talked about this a lot, but I think it's worth explaining to people where, briefly, where the origins came from. Because you were a painter, but, uh, and, and you talk about the notion of the, the, the wall as a canvas. But is your work an ongoing deconstruction of the whole idea of painting, as well as a spatial engagement with architecture? Is that a fair way of seeing it? Uh, <laughs> to... Uh, I think I have a little idea of uh, one thing which I think at that time was uh, difficult to understand, uh, which was quite clear for myself, but I realized it was not so clear for most of the people. I think when I, uh, let's say, start to work with this uh, possibility and doing a painting very close to nothing, wanted to do something what we call the zero degree of painting to have only what is a painting or not what is like a, a true but at least the element of painting where is painted on what is painted etc etc i get to a point after <clears throat> uh, two uh, almost three years of these works where many things came together the difficulty uh, to find a place to work i was working in a small room under, uh, under a house, so it was not the best way to the light, not the best way to move, etc. And I was looking for places a little uh, bigger to work, which was at least for me uh, at that time impossible to find, too expensive or not even existing in Paris. 
And I was really puzzled with that, saying, but you know, I cannot work if I cannot have a place and have no money for having a place or not enough. And so uh, it was not only like a bad situation, it was something which questioned. And I get at one point at this time uh, really thinking, but why in fact artists have the habit which is absolutely like in the, uh, the, the gene of the artist, an artist must have a studio. And I was questioning myself, why is that? Is it so important? And then I said, but if I use the street, which was the first thing which happened in my mind and being in Paris, maybe the street will be very nice to work because who prevent me to work in the street? And the idea to work in the street was immediately putting the question, but what do you do in the street? I mean, I'm not going to put, uh, make my painting on the street or doing something which is impossible. And I realized that, especially in Paris, one of the culture of the city is to use posters since uh, at least the revolution. So uh, many walls are used like that, even more at that time than today. And people put posters for anything from, of course, a political uh, manifesto or thing like that, and also for publicity. And so when I decided that, I realized that the only way maybe to start to work like that was to have something on paper I can glue. But that opened the other thing, but what I will print on this paper? So my situation or solution was to have a colored paper, or, and then of course it was evident, to use what I was working on, because I worked on uh, stripes which were uh, a cotton already done. So I reprint these stripes of the same size of the one I was using. And I use these stripes, putting in a poster, and then to glue everywhere. And at that time I think, the people who already knew, not so many, what I was doing, made a connection and not a break. And I think for me, as soon as I did that, it was, of course, visually a kind of recollection, but uh, fundamentally something which was a break. And so far, I am still, uh, let's say, in the street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Strike being a repetition, a reduction, um, and as you describe it, a visual tool. But it's an interesting idea that it's a continuation and a break at, at the same time. Um, you said that, uh, you said, you almost hinted wistfully that you kind of miss the days of intervening on the street as you did without permission. As you become more successful, and that happened quite quickly, I think, and as you get these extraordinary commissions, the latest of which we're here to celebrate in Tottenham Court Road, that's an immense amount of opportunity. But you're also now celebrated and known. So does that restrict your opportunity, if you ever wanted to, to become more guerrilla-like or bandit-like? Or are there Daniel Buren projects that are going to happen or do happen around the world that we don't know about? And you, do, you, do you go and sort of make works uninvited? I did, yes. But, you know, I have to do well, it... Recently? Uh, rather recently. I, I just uh, know as well that if I do that, I should really do it somewhere. Very, very few people can get who did it and what is it. So it's very difficult because, you know, things go very fast and uh, we are not anymore in 1967. So <laughs> some people are. But yeah. uh, the role of the spectator is a, is a really interesting thing. Um, and I mean, I, I watch people engaging with the work at Tottenham Court Road when I've got time, and most of the time, like them, I'm flowing through the space. Do you, before we just talk about the, the particular dynamism there, do you spend time quietly watching how people engage with your work? Are you interested in a kind of choreography of people in general, not just in, in the transport works you've done? Are you, are you interested in how they engage, or is that something you can't be because you, it's out of your control? It's... Uh it's absolutely uh, almost paradoxical. I am very interested, but and certainly I take care of what I learn in even looking about the, 
the, the position, the way people are uh, even walking in museum and how they look, etc., etc. But I can use it certainly with uh, my work or taking care of that. But the meaning of that and what I can, uh, let's say, uh, think or ask, because it's a lot of things you cannot, uh, you can ask and I don't do it. That I always refuse to do it. I mean, in other words, uh, when I did the works uh, in Paris at the beginning and then in many, many different cities, but even the subway, as I said, uh, when I start to show the, the works, my friends around me, many of my friends were saying, but you should make a record of that. You should ask the people what they think about that. Uh, just take anyone in the subway. So look to that. What, the, what is your meaning? And then you have a collection of reaction, etc. And I always said, even if it's maybe interesting, it's totally wrong to do that. So you are in front of a gap, which I really uh, choose to keep open, so I don't know, I can guess, or sometime I can have a very strange connection, someone speak even not knowing who I am, and that did happen, but very rarely. And I prefer that as to go to said and ask myself or somebody else, will be exactly the same, we want to know what do you think of that today in Paris between the publicity or whatsoever the question. Because as soon as you start such a thing, it's totally wrong. And knowing like, that, I don't do it and I will never do it. <laughs> I love the idea. I'm going to do that in the Russia. I'm going to stand on the escalator at Tottenham Road stopping people going, excuse me, what do you think of this work of art? And see the, the response one gets. You and I, in the, the book that's been published, um, we talk about... Uh, we, uh, we talk about the interesting sense of being able... I mean, people pass through stations, but Tottenham Court Road, you've, there's a lot of visual clutter that's been removed, and that's to the credit of London Underground. I mean, you talk about signage and advertising and so on. So you've produced these extraordinary forms, diamonds and circles, black and white stripes, and then, and then colour, ordered in a particular way, alphabetically. But people see it at their own pace. You can either see it statically as you stand on the escalator and, and then go slowly down, or you see it at a greater pace as you walk down. You can stop and look at it, or you can see it fleetingly. It's transparent on one particular part of the work, and other times it's, it's blocked. So there's this amazing fluidity, active, passive, fluid, static, and so on. And that seems to me a wonderful piece of choreography by you. How explicitly choreographed is it, and how much is it a kind of intuition that you want to just let go and, and you know you come up with a system an alphabetical system of colors for example and you let the system play out in the space that's about eight questions but sorry you get the gist of what i'm getting no, at. i think you gave the answer okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yes no, so, um, <laughs> there's a vitrine that you put in the station you put there's a circle and a diamond and it's blue and it's yellow and I love the idea that there's a sense of the museum suddenly appearing I mean you never or rarely use vitrines in that way are you continuing your playful subversion of the idea of the, of the museum with that? A little bit if you want <laughs> it was a way to all of the sudden uh, I mean it's different way to see it but for example to give something as, as if we stop something which get out from the wall and we keep it all of a sudden like we can keep an object in a vitrine in a museum. And as far as this object will immediately relate to anyone, not to me or anything about the art world to begin with at least, but to the other form and colors which are very visible even if you don't take too much attention this connection uh, will play immediately like, uh, like, uh, like a ping pong. Like, as you said, <coughs> a visual choreography and with always a concern that in the subway, we are all running. We are all going very fast. And uh, the last thing we take care, it's about the work of art.
So that's also the big challenge if you accept to do something in, the, in such a situation. I'm <coughs> sorry. I must say uh, that at one point I was invited to do a work in a huge uh, ha um, airport which was under construction and was one of the biggest in Europe, which was in uh, <coughs> Munich, Munich. <coughs> Munchen. And uh, being a frequent flyer and being rather annoyed by most of the airport in the world, knowing what we have to do there, and, and that was before it became even worse, like today. That's one of the rare project I refused to do, knowing that... Because of the restrictions? No, because I was, I mean, the, the architect was very nice, and when I said my problem, he said, but, you know, we are going to invite few artists, but we absolutely have the deal that where you will be working, it will be no publicity, nothing like that. So I must say I did not believe it. I said, yes, but, you know, in two years, it's another story. I was wrong because I know this airport and after maybe 15 years or 20 years was the project, uh, it's in the places where artists did something, it's no publicity. But I was really uh, interested and then rejecting the idea that you do something in a very special place whatsoever where people who are using the, the place have absolutely everything to do except to really look to a work. Now I know they develop even these ideas, they make some uh, gallery in uh, airport, or small kind of museum. I can understand that maybe if someone between all the hundreds of thousands of people want to really see something, can go there and spend uh, 10, 15 minutes, not in the middle of the rest, but even that, I am not so sure of the interest. But the subway, it's in that way uh, very, very interesting at the opposite because, in fact, it's a constant flux of people. And the difficulty, I, I was always saying, if, if in the subway you do something extremely delicate, sophisticated, etc., it's a complete, uh, more or less, waste of time. Because we know that no one in the subway will take more than maybe 30 seconds to look to something. And even that is pretty rare. And so when you describe how, how the work is working, it was also with this idea that without taking attention, just to take care where you put your feet and where is the direction of your train, the way you have the kind of uh, <clears throat> connection and reboundings of the pieces in a very comfortable space next, for example, to the elevators. Something even in your mind will uh, be visible without taking attention. At least it's something I was considering like very important to try to, to give and to do. Because in this, and also you have also to remember that in the subway, the millions of people who are going there, uh, I don't know the proportion, but I, I know for sure that the majority are going back and front, and they are always crossing the same thing. So it's also interesting to know that even something you never take care, uh, either can uh, click your eyes after, uh, hundred times. So it's, it's all that which I think it's very interesting to take into account to try to do something uh, in the visual uh, art in a place which is extremely uh, difficult. Also because at, to the beginning of such a thing, I think it's a contradiction. So the work to be done has also to have the capacity to be uh, looked at in a way, uh, very quickly, but not like the publicity, which also has especially to give you what to do or what to buy, but very quickly in order to just have a little memory which can start to work when you come back after a dozen of time. 
it kind of it both fills the space and empties it out, actually, in a way. It's very interesting in, in that regard. And I'm, I'm conscious that it, it both reimagines or redefines a place and also emphasises, I don't know, something essential about that particular place that, 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 that one is in. Do you... Is, is, is that how you see the world? When you're encountering a, a, a space, you go to an airport, you travel, you move to a next city, do you... Does your... Does the notion of the stripe and your sense of it as a visual tool... I don't mean do you, do you sort of dream of painting every city in the world, but do you start to use it yourself as a tool of imagination as you make sense of places, or do you only do that when you're invited to make work? Exactly that. I never, never think even about uh, any work uh, in any place I go uh, if I don't have in my mind the... not the idea, but something where, for example, I have been in so many museums, before I'm invited, I never think about what I can do in this museum. Even if I think the, the, the structure or whatsoever, very interesting. So I, I never think, I mean, when people ask me, but if you were able to use a space, a place, outdoor, etc., my answer is always the same. I will never make a choice. I don't like to make a choice in such, in the respect of the public work. Because what also I should say, it's, I perfectly know the difference between what I did in the subway in 1970 and what I did in the subway in London right now. I mean, it's almost, except for the visuality of the stripes, it's almost with no connection. So this is also part of the work, not to say the progress of the work or the regressing step of the work, but it's not the same thing. The visual tool, as I called it, has a strong role because, of course, it's a way to read, it's a way to recognize. So that I'm sure it's interesting as a, as a concept. And as a visual tool, it's very important because if you see something which has nothing to do with something you already know, and sometimes these tribes are into the game, and you know, for example, the existence of few works of mine before, you might relate to it. Without the stripes, maybe you cannot relate. And if you have to relate, then maybe you have to read a text and I think to read a text, it's already a mistake instead of just looking to something, etc., etc. So it's a kind of a connection of very different uh, uh, steps and very different uh, level. Like to read something, it's never <clears throat> what I was interested when I was first doing the, the, the posters in Paris in uh, covering billboards with publicity. It's the facts and the reading as very different uh, level. The one who knew the work or said it's uh, fucking stripes and it's boring, look to the stripes like we are trained to look to a painting. And of course, if you look to a painting, and even if I made jokes like that years ago, and you start to speak about the frame and then about the wall and about the lighting, etc. Why not? But finally, someone will say, okay, you see, all that is true. It's maybe not the best light. It's not the nice frame. But the work is different. Look to the work. That's what the artists want to do. And I agree. But everything I do, it's totally different. So if you look to the stripes like a frame glued somewhere in the middle of uh, whatsoever, why not? But it's totally wrong. <laughs> and if it's glued, it's already part of the wall. And from that, you have to think about the wall, then the frame, then the street, then the architecture. And it's really a lot of way to read. And even about the publicity. Why the publicity is covered and you cannot read the uh, publicity? It's another way which has almost nothing to do with the stripes. But these readings are part of the work at a certain point, and they don't have always the same way to be, to be looked at. But in fact, they always play in a different lay, and of course, 
in a different uh, uh, reading. I love that kind of open-ended insistence. Yes, why not look at it in this way? But it's wrong. I think it's <laughs> terrific. Um, on which note, we should briefly throw you to the floor. Other questions? Other people who'd like to ask a, a question of Daniel? Yeah. Thank you. That was absolutely fascinating. I just wanted to know about your early influences, if that's possible, thinking about this idea of the studio to the street. Were you ever influenced by muralists or, like, I'm thinking of Diego Rivera and those sort of artists who took their work onto the street and painted things? It was your influences, whether you, in particular, you were interested, influenced by particular muralists, Rivera and others, but that idea of taking art, you know, out of the gallery onto the street, and, and maybe in a quasi-political way as well, but were, were they influences on you? Uh, in fact, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I studied their work when I was uh, 18 years old. And for me, that was a fantastic uh, discovery. That was in uh, 50, 56 or 57. And, uh, <clears throat> and I realized, first of all, like a big uh, shock that uh, uh, Western art was not... Uh, blocked and uh, finishing or emerging in Paris. And so it was something else existing. But not only something else, of course, which I could have guessed more or less, but a very, very extremely different spirit and a big uh, contradiction. In their way, it was like to fight against everything done in uh, Europe as the most bourgeois kind of way to paint, etc., etc. So the extreme opposite of what was uh, where I was uh, more or less born and uh, uh, trained. Uh, so I was very, very interested by that, plus the fact that even if it was not completely radical, because they continue more or less to make some canvas, but in fact the big, big uh, work they did was during the revolution and after to uh, work in situ, as I said, and to make also the cut from the painting like a bourgeois way of uh, uh, using and making this activity. So I was really impressed, even if I was, even at that time, I mean, I was, let's say, more interested than today about the figurative aspect of the work. But even that was interesting because they did that so figuratively to teach the people who were not able to read. So that was an interesting aspect. And the second or third thing which was also uh, interesting to understand and to know, the main reason why the muralists, especially in the 50s and 60s and 70s, were so little well known by the Western world and by most of the artists is because they, their work, which by definition was done on the walls and was not transportable, mm. cut them from the normal way uh, paintings are traveling. So I make it very reduced, but I think it's really strong. And it took a long time. And I think today it's quite different, not to say people are all in love with these works, but because people travel more, because the thing finally uh, mentally traveled to, to the world, it's much more respectful than it was when I saw it in the 50s. But all that for me was a really, first of all, a shock, and then quite interesting to see. So I did absolutely nothing comparable to that. But for sure, it's something which was uh, very important for me. And the fact, for example, that public, public commission, public uh, space, public work, except maybe for the funeral monument or things like that, was something in a big activity in all Western world for hundreds of years since the Renaissance. But then since uh, more or less uh, the second part of the 19th century, disappear totally. And that is also very interesting because just imagine a second what the 20th century missed forever, never asking uh, Mr. Mondrian or Pollock or whosoever to make a place, for example. But that was totally out 
of the brain of anyone, especially the politician, because to make a public work somewhere at one point, and maybe sometime a key point, you need some, you need some politician to say, okay, we can spend some money to make the subway or to change the place or to do something like that. And today, the thing is very, very, very fresh. Public artworks as more or less 30 years old, which is nothing at all. So the habit of in, even of the artist to accept to work like that, it's not yet really existing. And I know many artists who just hate to do such a thing. And the reasons are very evident, you know, it's the most difficult thing to do. You have to do a lot of discussion, you have to also make some compromise. You know, the artist invited in the museum, he does just makes something whatsoever, boom, and he does it. It's good, it's bad, whatsoever, the work exists. And you get with the same feeling, which I also like, you know, it's a kind of freedom, it's a kind of uh, uh, individualism, whatsoever. And you do that in the street, and you can just go out, you are finished. It's no way, it will never work. So the same artists or the same people have to really think differently, and this is quite a big challenge. It's a very passionate plea for public art, although there is a lot of bad public art, and London suffers from that, and in some ways that makes people become more risk-averse because the idea of inflicting something semi-permanently on a city that people don't want, I mean, let's not get too personal about it, but, you know, the kiss at St Pancras wouldn't be a bad example, for, for instance. Um, but get the right artists, give them the right context, um, I agree with everything you said. How did you manage to build the columns in the Palais Royal? Almost no one, because it was almost destroyed before it was finished. But uh, that was, uh, first of all, a, a competition. Then the competition that was uh, uh, done by the states. It's not the city of Paris, it's the state. And the commission was uh, viewed at that time by uh, Mitterrand, who, who select, say, that's the thing which looks the best. I was having a very stupid maquette and a very, very, very simple drawing about the idea. Because when they invite me to give something like that, was two weeks before that. So I was even being very, very, not afraid, but I was saying it's ridiculous. It's like really to ruin a possibility because it's not well serious enough to be, to be visible anyhow. But anyhow, he makes that selection and then we started to work, but no one ever asked me to do anything. I give an idea and in fact, what has been done after quite a lot of work, how to construct, how to make the thing, etc., etc. it's extremely close to my first sketches. This very much the same idea including the water underneath and the use of the uh, columns, which in fact was to take part of what is the particular, visual particularity of the full location, which is one of the rare, so big, at least it's the biggest and the very unique in Paris, so it's not even something we see in Paris everywhere. So I took that as a visual element. The size is the same of the columns surrounding the Palais Royal. And that was my, uh, my project, which was uh, accepted like that. So it, no, that's also one thing people doesn't know, except to give the space today with uh, public artworks, to call it like that. It's very rare, still existing, but very rare to say, uh, we would like uh, the portrait of the general so-and-so in that place. This is finished. So in a way, when they have a competition or when they want an artist to do something, it can be indoor, outdoor, subway, place, streets, whatsoever, the, the most which is given is the place. The situation to say, the, do you are, inter are you interested to work with a subway environment or are you interested to do something in that place and that's it. So anyone who compete and uh, want to do something then invent something which 
a commission, other people, we said, okay, we, we would like to have this one. And then you start the work. And often, you never succeed to do anything because in, in the between, between the fact you are the one to be invited and the work should be realized, very often, not just by bad chance, but very often the work never gets to be realized. For many reasons, I don't have to speak about that. We, there's so much more we can, should talk about, can talk about, but we've crashed through time, uh, time being one of the subjects of your work and duration. Um, but the Tottenham Court Road station is there for us all to see, if not for eternity, for a good time to come. Um, Daniel, you have a show at the Listen Gallery at the end of September, so you'll be coming back to London. And next year, in March, this isn't a flagrant pub for, Puff for the Royal Academy, but we're opening a new auditorium. And I think it would be brilliant if you would accept the invitation for you to come back and we can continue the conversation. Uh, we're an academy of artists and architects. That might be an interesting battle. Um, so uh, this, I think, we can truncate for the moment, just as you did the Affiches series, Legend 1. We'll do Legend 2 next year at the Royal Academy. But for now, I have to stop the evening. Daniel Bren, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening. For more information about the Royal Academy, please visit www.royalacademy.org.uk.